Hello and welcome on this week's episode. 2022 is apparently the year of the Evil Dead, and I'm loving it. On the 35th anniversary of Evil Dead 2, we got more stuff coming out than I can even talk about in this intro, but I can definitely talk about when we're done. Mm -hmm. Arthur and I both watched the Grammys, and I really enjoyed it, and Arthur is just being a stick in the mud. Arthur went to a special screening of Everything Everywhere All at Once that was attended by star Michelle Yeoh. I wanted to see this movie since the trailer came out and Arthur's gonna do his best to tell me why it's awesome without totally freaking spoiling it. I'm gonna spoil it! Better not. What he doesn't have to spoil is the first episode of the new season of Atlanta. He could spoil episodes two and three as he's seen them all at this point, but I've seen the first one and it's heavy, really heavy. I'm gonna spoil it! And finally, we finish up with the first two episodes of Marvel's new series, Moon Knight. It's taking its time, getting where it's going, and we just hope it gets there soon. So join us on... <laughs> no, I feel like I have to put some kind of like like tremolo and repeating <laughs> reverb effect. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I got my uh, <laughs> I got my head in like guitar effects these days because I just bought a new amp with all these built-in effects and stuff. So Sick. I, like I could play with some stuff. Yeah, I've been playing a little bit more, and I'm going to start uh, giving guitar lessons again. I got some people who reached out to me who were interested in taking a few lessons, and so that's what Tuesday night's going to be about for me, uh, which is good times. What, do you, what have you been up to? Moving and all that jazz. Oh, there is no hell on earth like moving. Me and my girlfriend from Canada. <laughs> you don't get to say that anymore. She lives in Southern California. We know she's real. You don't have to convince us. We're there. We're with you, buddy. Now, when you stop paying her and she has to go home, uh, then we'll realize it was all a ruse. But for now, we can keep it up. We're good. We're good. Baby. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she's she's here, and we finally got our place, and the move-in was horrendous, and... um I'm I'm glad we're in. It's been very blissful, and me me and my baby. Now I was telling I was telling Rachel that you had a rough move, but she was like, "Didn't he move just like just down the street?" And I was like, "Baby, it doesn't matter how far you move. You could move one house over. It's exactly the same <laughs> whether the truck yeah. drives a mile or five miles. It's no yeah, fun." Yeah, basically, basically. So but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad she. I'm glad she's appraising um, like the 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 how hard my move was. <laughs> she knows. She knows. She was just she was just wondering. She was like, I thought it was close. And yeah, it just means you can get more trips done in a day. That's all being close means. It just means you can oh, yeah. get oh, yeah. four trips in a day instead of three. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was it was it was a pretty good move. I, I just like it was, it's just a lot of work, you know. Clean it like yeah. the, the biggest thing was cleaning up the last place because I've been there since 2008. So, oh man, oh. that's a lot. Yeah, I've yeah. been in my place like nine years. So, if I had to move, yeah, you get to like every dust bunny that was ever lost has got to be found. Yep, yep, yep. Well, um, you're happy about baseball, aren't you? Oh, it's opening day. The day we're recording this, it's the very first day of baseball season for me, for the Yankees. Uh, we had a rain delay yesterday, but. They opened up with a big extra innings win against the Red Sox. And um, it, it's, you know, all the reasons I, I hate them so much and I hate baseball and what they've done <laughs> to the sport and what they continue to do to the sport and the nonsense of it. All of that goes away on opening day. Like I feel that <laughs> so intensely two weeks before and, you know, three weeks after opening day. But for right now, it's baseball. It's back. And we're beating the Red Sox on the first day of the year. That's that makes me a happy camper. Booyah. I think baseball needs to get their act together, though, as far as broadcasting rights, because this is madness. They have individual broadcasting deals with Apple TV, ESPN, Fox. Uh, they have their own MLB streaming stuff. They have Fox Sports Go. They have the regular Fox app. They have FS1. Um. And Amazon now carries the Yankee game every second Friday of the month or something like they need to calm the hell down because I don't know when the game where the game is on ever. Oh, and yes, yes, is the predominant home of baseball in New York. But like 
there are like seven different networks that have rights to broadcast games. And the crazy thing is we're still living in the stone age because I like to listen to the game on the radio at work. And the only way to do that is with a legit FM radio because the streaming rights are so complicated that you, it is almost impossible to stream the baseball game without a very expensive wow. MLB subscription. So it's like baseball, you wonder why your sport is dying. Like mop this shit up, please, please. Yeah. If you're listening to me, Rob Manfred, commissioner of baseball, and I know that you are, mop this shit up, please. I'm tired of it. <laughs> Just, I want to listen to the game, but I don't want have to listen to static. Like, streaming radio is beautiful. The radio station streams amazingly until the moment the mm -hmm. game starts, and then they cut the feed, and you have to listen on oh, an crap. actual fucking Stone Age, Jesus Christ owned one radio, and I don't like what? it. It even comes in best on AM. So really just baseball spare me. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I know that was a bit of a tangent, but it's late and I'm having coffee. So I'm feeling it. Oh yeah. You should feel it. You should feel it, baby. I am feeling it, man. It, we, we didn't do that many episodes last month cause you were moving and I got a bunch of shit going on, but like, I'm happy to be talking to you again. And I'm happy to be talking about this kind of shit and, uh, and doing the show. But you know, if we're doing the show, I got to say I'm taking over. Arthur, I'm taking over a spot that has exclusively been reserved for Arthur mother freaking Romeo. And what, and what is that? And I'm taking over the gaming corner. Go, 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 go. Gaming corner with Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> because for the first time in a fucking decade, I am excited for a video game. And it only took my favorite horror franchise of all time. Scream? Next to maybe Reanimator. Scream? No, it's not Scream, you <laughs> Scream is fine. Even Jay Silent Bob was in one of them, so that's a good deal. But no, no, I am talking about the Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. And so on the last episode, I said uh, Rachel and I had gotten tickets to go see the Evil Dead 2 in 35mm because... It's the 35th anniversary of the movie. And so Alamo Drafthouse was doing these special showings of all the different early Sam Raimi Evil Dead films. And mm. so I'd never seen it on the big screen before. So we went. Alamo is a class act. If you have an Alamo in your city, freaking go. The best part about it was that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell made all these weird little shorts in high school and college. They showed those before the freaking movie. And in between those little shorts, they showed all these like 70s grindhouse movie previews. Like you cannot replicate this experience in your home. And I don't know any other theater chain out there that is specifically doing this. But man, that shit was fun. Well, that's fantastic, man. There's nothing like these curated experiences, bro. You know, it's, it's like the, for rabid fans, like the energy, like it's like nothing like it being in a room with people that love the thing that you do and just are so excited for it. Fantastic. Well, it really elevates the movie going experience because usually going to the movies ranks something somewhere above like a trip to the mall, but less than going to a rock concert. You know, it's like you go and it's an event, but it's not really an event. And this makes it like a thing that you anticipate all month. Like if you had concert tickets or if you were going to Disneyland or something for people like us, mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. this is. It's so much more than what like a movie, a regular old like Marvel, Spider-Man, No Way Home means to me. And I love that movie and I'm looking forward to seeing all of that stuff. But I don't feel the same about that stuff as I do this particular experience because it's so unique and weird and nostalgic and perfect. It mm -hmm. doesn't even feel mm -hmm. like it's a trip to the movies, so to speak. It's a wholly mm -hmm. different experience. Mm -hmm. So and I love The Evil Dead, too. It's one of my top five movies of all time. And this mm -hmm. is Sam Raimi's fucking year, man. My dude is getting his dudes. First off, everybody's loving Tobey Maguire. So all the love for the OG Spider-Man movies is just in full effect right now. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 still like on top as far as like one of the best superhero movies ever made. You know, straight up. So he's riding high on that. And then he's going into the new year with Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which everybody's looking forward to. All the previews have been super positive. Like all it the trailer sick. response. It looks I'm, sick. Dude, dude, I, I've been purposely, purposefully like not seeing any of these trailers. But I, I, I broke and saw the one that just released. It seems like they've been releasing so many of them every yeah. other week. And, and, uh, but I, I broke and I said, oh, I can't, it can't hurt to watch this one. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Like all of the close-ups that he has, 
Oh, you know, man. like you know, you know how Raimi shoots things. So like he had this really crazy close up of of a zombie uh, Doctor Strange like looking out out of the bottom of his left eye. The crap looks so creepy. Oh my god! I was gonna mention like they give you Zombie Strange right in the trailer. They give you Evil Doctor Strange in the trailer. They give you they give you everything. They give you Professor X. They give you everything. And so of course yeah. it's getting everyone hyped for this movie, but. It's not the only mm. movie he's got coming out this year. He's got a new Evil Dead movie coming out. And the, the fly in the ointment on that one is that Bruce Campbell is not in the movie. That's been announced right off the bat. But it's also not necessarily an extension of the 2013 remake. It sort of nebulously exists in a weird space. I, I just got to say right quick, like that's one of the scariest horror trailers I've ever seen. With that that girl with those eyes, I'll never forget that crap. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Oh, so I saw scary. it in theaters as soon as it came out because I'm such a Raimi head and an Evil Dead fan. I and it's great for what it is. It it I don't know that it like immediately smacks of being an Evil Dead movie because I don't know how I separate that from Bruce Campbell. But on its own merits, it's just fantastic. It's such a great mm-hmm. and scary and bloody freaking movie. And then mm-hmm. that guy goes on to make like Don't Breathe and Don't Breathe 2. And those are mm-hmm. fantastic movies. So, I mean, I love all that stuff in that universe. And so, mm-hmm. and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are producing what is going to be called Evil Dead Rise. And mm-hmm. it's basically going to be the idea of two sisters are trapped in an apartment building as the deadites like descend on a city. So, mm-hmm. there's in some corner of the universe where there is no ash williams to hold them all back they end up taking an entire city or at least an entire apartment building and these two women have to try and fight to get out of their lives but did they do stuff i know i know they have the show did they do stuff stuff on the show that was canon that's leading into this movie so that's where we don't really know so for the show um to give a brief rundown for people, it all began with the Evil Dead in 1981, the original homemade like $150,000 movie that started it all. Evil Dead 2, more money, better effects, tighter story. Army of Darkness comes out. It's a full-fledged studio flick in this universe. Knocks off the whole franchise until Evil Dead the remake comes out in 2013. That's uh, directed by Fede Alvarez. It's a really awesome horror movie, but it has no connection or except for a Necronomicon and a cameo from Bruce Campbell to the original films necessarily. Then we get Ash versus Evil Dead, which was the three episodes or the three season series on Showtime. That show, all of that is canon, according to everyone. That is the conclusion of the story of Ash Williams. And I'm going to spoil they leave the franchise in the hands of another character at the end of it. There is a passing of the torch, so to speak, to another character that I actually really quite enjoyed. It was a little bit controversial, and some people weren't necessarily happy with the way it all concluded, but that's the way every really good series ends, is people unhappy Mm -hmm. with the ending. So whatever for all that. (laughs) Am I wrong? I mean, that's right. Lost and (laughs) Game of Thrones and uh, The Sopranos. Uh, You could just go on and on and on. Where everybody's yeah. like, I hate that ending. Why would they end it like that? Because <laughs> they, they got, because Bruce Campbell is in his 60s and he can't go running through the woods anymore. He grabs his foot on I a got tree you, root. I got you. And so, so they hand it off. And I thought it was a great handoff and I was waiting to see where they take that. This movie does not appear to involve any of those previous characters. It is going to be the idea that the Necronomicon is somehow it makes its way to another location at another time and these people who get their hands on it somehow summon deadites with it and chaos ensues sweet so yeah so i'm looking forward to that they don't have a release month it is said to release in 2022 and it's gonna debut on hbo max so everybody can watch it at home if they want to don't have to go to theaters to watch it but i am so like to the hilt with sam raimi and specifically the video game to bring it all the way back around where we began. The video game comes out on May 12th and it is bonkers. First off, it is uh, an entire interactive world 
that has scenes and sets from all of the movies in the film franchise. Now, the thing that's interesting, they've been a little dodgy on whether the 2013 movie is canon in this universe and therefore will be included in the game. But I saw a shot of a cabin that looks like the cabin from that movie. So I'm willing to bet those characters are in there. And you can play as absolutely everyone. If you want to be the good guys, you play as the good guys, you get good guy objectives, and you travel and fight your way through this world. Or you can play as the deadites and have bad guy objectives and try to take out Ash Williams and all of the heroes from the miscellaneous TV series and movies. And the best part is they brought back like every rando character from all the movies to do all of the voices. So it's not even just the mains. They got the mains. That's a given. But they got literally everyone background knights and members of uh, uh of the opposing army like they have all those guys doing their original voices in the game like so all of it's going to be this cornucopia of just mashed together evil deadite nonsense and i'm so fucking here for it i'm freaking awesome yeah, I just got a new well, computer. What, what, a, what a treasure trove of what a treasure trove of dead. That's fantastic. That's what I'm saying. I love this shit. So it's like the idea that you can play as you know Ash's sister, you know, from Evil Dead One, is one of the playable characters. That I would reach a point in the universe that where this hundred and fifty thousand dollar movie made in the woods of Tennessee in 1980 now has like rando characters from that film as full fully fleshed out. You know, modern era video game playable characters. It's insane to me that this is where our mm-hmm. culture has come to. Because this used to be, you know, copy of a copy stuff and renting it from the video store. And you had a handful of friends in high school that were really into this shit. And now this is some mm-hmm. mainstream shit happening. Oh, hell yeah. So I hope you get this game too. It is going to be available for the Nintendo Switch, PS4 and 5, all of the Xboxes mm-hmm. and Windows. So it's if you got a gaming system of some kind, I don't really, but I might have to steal Rachel's Switch. That's okay. <laughs> Those animals can cross themselves. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to borrow her Switch. <laughs> animals She's good. Cross themselves. She's a time traveler <laughs> anyway. And so those of you who know the game oh know why that you're booing and hissing at her already. She's a time traveler. So she doesn't care if it's wrong. She's doing it anyway. And so I'll have to borrow her switch and I'm going to get that game or I'm going to get it on windows and just play on my laptop, which I think should be able to hang with it. I got a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm getting back into gaming, baby. You're going to have to get one so we can play together. You can team up with your friends and take on objectives. You could be, I'll let you be Ash. It's fine. I don't mind being Cheryl. <laughs> I'll be Eric the Red. You, like, you'll let me be Ash. I'm taking that shit, motherfucker. <sighs> <laughs> Well, slap me around and call me Susan. (laughs) That's awesome. Is there any other video game stuff that you know about that's been coming up? Anything that's on your radar? No, I mean, we talked about it before. I'm just waiting for Hogwarts Legacy to come out at the end of the year. No doubt. No doubt. Save up your money uh, because J.K. Rowling needs another yacht and another Twitter account. So I guess now is as good a time as any to talk about, like, one of the biggest cultural events of the recent memory, uh, The Slap, which is no longer yeah. that weird Lifetime series about a parent that smacks a kid in like the 16-episode <laughs> fallout of one adult hitting one child. A very special episode. A very, a very special, special episode. episode with Arthur and Tom. <laughs> the Slap with Arthur and yeah. Tom. The Slap. The Slap. So let's not spend too much time on the slap because this shit is funny. Now you were telling me there were some recent repercussions from the slap. Well, yeah, um, you know, at first uh, the Oscars had got gotten to will and was saying that there was going to be uh, like uh, you know they're deliberating over punishments. I think I think I just think it was weird in the first place. I think they were just covering their butts because they were waiting to see where the wind would go with them saying that oh they told him to leave but he said no I'm not going to go. And they just let him stay there, you know. Like y'all could have took taken care of this during the commercial break and had security. If Will, if Will is gonna was gonna be that indignant. Well, there were you know? some people who came out after the fact and said that the Oscars or that they were actually lying about that. That they never did actually ask him to leave. I, I knew they had. I knew they had to be lying. There are conflicting stories on it, but there are people saying no because if they had asked him to leave, exactly what you said, security would have escorted him out. It'd be fucking over. But, yeah, like like so I said, that 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 crowd they didn't know what to do. The Oscars didn't know what to do because like everyone was gobsmacked. Everyone loves Will, you know. 
Like, they, they were so shocked. They didn't know what to do. Like, I mean, they, you had this whole room of people uh, uh, giving a standing O to the brutality, you know? And no, with no apology to Chris Rock uh, at the end of that night, you That's know? That's true. Yeah, so uh, I, 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 de- I definitely feel conflicted about it because as a black man, I, I, I can see another black, pan- black man as a human. It's hard for other people that aren't black to see black people as human, you know, um, because had this been like, say, for instance, a white guy it wouldn't have been treated like this. Yeah. Um, so but but with black people, immediately they go to, oh, he's setting back his race, <laughs> you know, Be- because the, the whole idea, the whole unsaid thing is that we should be grateful that we're there in the first place. We should be grateful to have a job in America. We should be grateful for this, and if we act any sort of way outside of that, oh, look at angry black man. Oh, my God. And to the point where it's just like, oh, go back to Africa, you know? Um, you know, when, when it comes down to it, there's a guy named FD Signifier on YouTube that had a, a very stunning essay on um, black boy pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really went into like into the depths of what what happened to Will Smith when he was a young guy. Will Will had to watch his mother get beaten by a man with and couldn't do anything about it. You know? And um then we've had to like Will, I feel like Will has this sort of person happy personality that that, that people mess with him. Mm-hmm. You know? Like there's that one video of that guy thinking he just kissed Will Smith and he's just like, yeah, this is guy I saw on TV. He's our Will Smith. I could do whatever I want. And Will slapped him. Well, and I think that that's because the cliche on Will is that he is one of the few black actors that is 100% palatable to white audiences. Yes. And and I mean, that's kind of the thing with um, that's why it was such a big shock with Bill Cosby. Because Bill Cosby, well, he was the was king like, of white audience palatability. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and so it's just like, like did we let you into our home, you know? It's like it's that it's that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now, like go, going like on on the surface of it, like that shit was fucked up. Will knew he could do this to Chris Rock. He was such a yep. bully in that situation. That joke was a nothing joke. Yeah, you know. But but at the same time, again, there's more depth to it. It wasn't the first time Chris had got him. And if, if you if you can imagine egos, like the egos of Hollywood, Tom Cruise, Will Smith, I wouldn't say Brad Pitt, but Brad Pitt would deserve to have an ego like that. Denzel. But it's just like, I wouldn't even say him real. Like Denzel's like really real. He's like yeah. a real brother. You know? <laughs> I'm, talk, right, I'm talking right. about you the type know. of, I'm, I'm talking about the ego that is just like can be totally crushed by Something that could be very insignificant when you're you're used to okay, your okay okay I, I follow you yeah you're used to your bubble of 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 yes yes people and saying everything that you do is great everything that you do is great and and then there's that one time that's what makes the Oscars the the last thing that makes the Oscars so great is that when they get the right host they could get somebody like Rick, Ricky Gervais to take the piss out of everybody. Right, right. You know, because it's it's they should have that. They should. That's like their taxes. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's for having true. a career like this, you know. And and no, but you're 100 <laughs> percent right about what it does to them because they become so consumed by their bubble that even the slightest offense feels like transgression. Yeah, and it's just like Will Will even said as much in his weird speech at the end. That was that fucking he's this- weird. Yeah, in this career where, you know, but he said he's saying some truthful things. You're in this career where you have to take a lot of stuff, you know? And yeah, I can yeah. imagine I can't imagine what it's like to be a black person on top like that. Usually our black people fall. You know, Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, James Brown, Chuck Berry. Oh, no, no, like, no. Wait a minute. Hold on. Pause, pause, pause. Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson. Uh, 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 James Brown, fine. Fuck, fuck Chuck Berry. Fuck Chuck Berry. Sorry, sorry, I said it. Fuck Chuck Berry. He took himself down. That's fucking disgusting. That dude was gross. That's not cool. Nah, fuck Chuck Berry. What what I'm saying is they it what it leads these people. I, I'm not saying these people are innocent or guilty. I'm saying 
you you ride a place so high, you wind up like taking yourself to some very dark places. A hundred percent, a hundred percent where the pressure and because you yeah. don't even have the weight of your performance and your career like other artists do. But then just like you were talking about earlier, you have the weight of the representation of your people and oh, that yeah. standard that comes with it where you're expected to be this role model. And especially in that situation where you have a prominent black comedian presenting the award to quest love of all people like for a documentary mm -hmm. about the black community and about a significant event in his lifetime. And so you have so much of this encapsulation of, of that culture. And then you have this ugly event right on top of it. And so there's mm -hmm. so much more pressure in all of that than for Taylor Swift to go up there and get her 16th Grammy or whatever, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I and I get that, and I get, and I think that Smith snapped, and I think Chris Rock was a consummate professional because there's a great little bit when you tune in on the audio where he would goes, he he's like, because Will is yelling, I'm keep my wife's name out of your mouth, blah blah blah, and he goes, I am, I am, and then he goes, Ooh, I could, mm. all right. Anyway, yeah. Oscar for documentary document. Oscars are, I mean, doc, okay, let's move on. You know, he like stammers and yeah. then he gets into it. But like he has that moment where he goes, ooh, I could, because everybody else on Twitter has made the obvious joke because of the recent developments between Will Smith and his wife and her extramarital activity, shall we say. Oh, yeah. And so the low-hanging fruit is there. Yeah, constantly embarrassed, constantly having his, like, because Jada, Jada, that that's kind of been her only thing this whole time is kind of like this blazing, like uncomfortable truth sort of reality series that she has. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and, and it's just like, I mean, we're, we're watching the trauma of her family unfold all the time. Yeah. we are. You know, and that can't, that can't feel good, you know? Um, especially Will who, who you know you on you can just see right there how much he loves Jada, and he's already know? feeling emasculated by that whole experience. And then you have Chris Rock call him out on front of you know however many millions of viewers, and Will just he his ego couldn't take not one more hit, and so I he mean, lashed how out. Did, how did how did how did Chris Rock call him out? Well, no, what I'm saying is is that. He well, when he made that comment to Jada, like Will Smith is already feeling emasculated because of that whole situation with Jada Pryor. So mm -hmm. then you're at the Oscars in front of the whole world, and this dude rags on your girl right in front of you, mm -hmm. and you're mm -hmm. already feeling emasculated, and maybe you lash out. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris, Chris, I mean, Chris made a, a bigger dig four years ago. When he's like you, are you you're like you're 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 boycotting something you weren't even invited to, you know. Like that's that's <laughs> right. when he first kind of made that joke about them, and um, and and it was it was it, what sucked about that was Jada was actually wishing him good luck even before that happened. She had a video where she was talking about why she was boycotting, and she said to Chris because she orig originally was cast members with Chris on the Madagascar movies, mm -hmm. you know. So she was just wishing him good luck, and then like he just on turned back at a time where it was Oscars so white, this black or black comedian right, goes right. and like basically uh, shucks and jives for the white white audience, you know, like that that was a little testy and probably a preamble to something like this, you know. Damn. Well, I mean, um, Chris Rock was as much of a professional as he could be. I mean, he could have. He could have taken Will Smith apart. He's a professional comedian. He knows how to deal mm -hmm. with shit like this. And he didn't. And yeah. he showed class and tried to let other people have at least what was left of their moment. That was the other thing is that it robbed so many people of any sort of analysis or retrospective following the Oscars because nothing else mattered except this. You have Jane Campion yeah. winning the as the only woman ever to win two Oscars for Best Director. You know, you have mm -hmm. so many achievements. You got Questlove wins an Oscar. You got you got um, H. You know, her H. E. R. She wins for best song and like 
all of that stuff got overshadowed by one stupid thing. So, and here we are. This is mm -hmm. the predominant thing that we're talking about on this. But mm -hmm. I don't really care too much about award shows, the Oscars, who wins the Oscar, who doesn't win the Oscar, shit like that. Mm -hmm. But I got to say, I watched the Grammys, and I know you didn't. I know you didn't because the only good awards show in your mind is the BET award show. Yeah, that's BET it. Awards. The, I know. No, Shout the, out to the, BET the Awards. No, also the Tonys. And the Tonys. Yeah, okay, all right. Amen, amen. <laughs> yes, and the Tonys. So the BET Awards and the Tonys are the only good ones in your opinion. But I got to say, dude, I want you next year to give the Grammys a shot because I had yeah, not look, watched. Yeah, look, I know there's good performances. I know there's good performances. Like, I mean, no, like, no, I'm, no, no, I'm, no, no. Well, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kendrick Lamar's performances on the Grammys like about seven years ago is one of my favorite live performances ever, you know? It's I, I I don't even want to get into it, but like I'm sick of what the Grammys represent, and that's why I'm not watching it, you know. Okay, well, there's good performances and there's great of performances, course. and then there's the shit that they put on the other night, which was something mm -hmm. else. Just tell me if you would buy a ticket to this lineup where it's Billie Eilish, her BTS, John Batiste, Little Nas X, Olivia Rodrigo, uh. Rachel Zegler doing freaking songs from West Side Story, Silk Sonic, of course, and mm -hmm. uh, and then finishing the whole night off with the Brothers Osborne. Like, what an amazing lineup that! I mean, that's a lot of times I look at the lineup and I'm like, oh, that looks good, that looks good, that looks. Every single one is a banger, and this isn't even all of them. Chris Stapleton is there, like madness. How good this lineup was. And every one of them doing like their a fucking material, and mm -hmm. uh, Trevor Noah hosted the hell out of the whole thing. He got the slap reference out of the way right in the beginning, so that was good. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he legit funny working the crowd, working the whole show. And he started up by saying, "This is not an award show where we will have musicians performing. This is a concert where we occasionally we are going to give out awards." And, <laughs> and then they lead the whole thing off with Silk Sonic. I mean, that's how they dive into the whole freaking thing. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it was, I'm not a Grammys guy. I'm not an award show guy. I watched this for hours the other night and was transfixed. Shout out to the set designer. Whoever designed all of the different sets for these different performances, every single performance Felt like it was on a custom built stage just for that five minutes and everything mm -hmm. worked flawlessly. All the lighting and special effects. Billie Eilish sang her song in a makeshift storm in the middle of the stage while standing on an apartment that was upside down and underwater. Like, I don't even know what I saw. <laughs> I don't even know what I saw. <laughs> I just know that it was the shit. And if her brother keeps trying, he might have his own career. He's trying. God love him. He's trying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And even Trevor Noah was ragging on him through the damn show for that. Like, what's your <laughs> Phineas? I mean, do do you have a last name? Do we know it? Why don't you just go by <laughs> Phineas Eilish? It couldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, really funny stuff, really great performances. I think the wins were well-deserved. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo, uh, Olivia Rodrigo just killing it. Like, what an amazing performance. Um, John Batiste, I was not super familiar with him. And no, he's he's a wonder kind. He's amazing. And that was something else about this show was the return to instrumentalism because music has largely in recent years gotten very digital. Lots of computer-based stuff because the cost of entry is relatively low to the idea of buying guitars and amplifiers and drums mm -hmm. and all this other shit. You just buy a laptop and you have all those things inside of it. So it's mm -hmm. no surprise music typically gravitates towards the lowest cost of entry because that's where the most people are playing and the grammys this year really seem to focus on instrumentalism like to watch her go from playing the drums to playing the guitar with uh, uh letty kravitz on her oscar-winning song like what an amazing show of instrumentalism. I knew she could sing and we all know she's gorgeous and all of that's a given, but like to watch her go and to perform on with such precision on those instruments. Um, the brothers Osborne, I don't know who in the world John Osborne is, but he is an amazing guitar player. Um, mm -hmm. Just the guitar lineups as a musician, like 
it was so spot on all of the gear they picked the vast majority of the backing musicians were women through the entire show which i always think is fucking sick. awesome sick and so much focus on the musical precision and instrumentalism you know and I, I couldn't have been happier with it as, you know, a 40-something-year-old white guy watching a bunch of artists who largely I don't know shit about because I listened mm -hmm. to records from 15 years ago. Records. Um, and so <laughs> so I don't know shit about John Batiste. I don't know Olivia Rodrigo. I don't, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I barely knew Silk Sonic. I barely knew her. I mean, Billie Eilish, of course, because I'm not dead. But... Mm -hmm. Really, really good shit. So I hope if you're listening to me and if I've convinced if I've convinced anyone else over the course of this conversation, give it a shot next year. Cause I think that they're they're trying, man, and they're trying to win you back. And they've won me back a little bit. And if I can win you back a little bit, maybe, maybe then they'll be encouraged to continue to do better. Mm. Give nah. them a chance, baby. Give love a chance. Nah. <laughs> no, I'm definitely gonna watch those performances because like I mean like it's artists, you know? And I've been and, gushing uh, you, to you, you for really days curious. over them. You, you got me curious about the set design. Well, you know what I'm curious about, speaking of design, is everything, everywhere, all at once. Now, I only oh, saw yeah. the trailer. And I, Rachel and I were in the theater for Spider-Man, and the trailer for that came on. Or, sorry, it came on while we were watching the Evil Dead 2. And we're like, mm -hmm. what is this movie? I haven't even heard, like, oh, yeah. why is this the first time I'm hearing about something that looks like this? It looks gorgeous, man. What is this movie? You've seen it, right? Yeah, of course. I know Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, was, I believe it's an A24 movie. A A24, like, they are the anti-Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> like, they, yeah, they, they are. Like, and they're, they're making these mind-bending, super, like, well-crafted movies and and this is definitely like one of the uh, like top shelf uh, out of a lot of those movies because it's, it's coming back to that Spike Jones Charlie Kaufman energy uh, mixed with just like like really kinetic uh, kung fu action um, and just beautiful storytelling like really beautiful quirky original storytelling um, and it's brought to us by the Daniels uh, that that is the team uh, director team that did Swiss Army Man. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, they just they just knock it out of the park. So I went to a screening. I, I I randomly looked for stuff online, and I saw that they were having an IMAX screening of this movie. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah, right. And, Given like just the color oh, yeah. tone. Oh yeah. So I go there. I had no idea that um there was gonna like you know Jamie Lee Curtis was gonna just show up in the in the beginning of the screening. Get the uh, just talk. Hmm. Get out of here. <laughs> God damn it. This is L.A., right? You just go to Starbucks and Hugh Jackman is cracking open a latte with one of his claws. Fuck, I bet that happens every day. Every day. Go have a muffin yeah, yeah. with, like, yeah. Hugh Laurie or something. Oh, yeah, it's like it's like every Thursday, like every month, you know, Fuck. basically. Every third Thursday. Anyway. Tell uh, Scar Joe uh, I said was good. Uh, yeah. I think she's on the East Coast. Oh, um, all right, all right. Lord. Yeah, but uh yeah, but uh yeah, Jamie Lee came out and uh basically she said that like uh Michelle wished she could be there, but you know, she had a a a, a thing about with COVID recently. You know, so we're like, Oh, but you know, like at least you're here. Yeah, Jamie. <laughs> You know, so she was just giving intro to the film, and she's saying, I can't stay because I'm old. <laughs> I'm going to be asleep. I'm about to be asleep. <laughs> so it was just so cool, cool cool, to see her. She kicks ass in this movie, bro. No. Um, yeah, as as the uh, the, 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 uh, the tax uh, the tax lady. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, so we watched the movie. The movie's fantastic, you know. Um, when a movie comes out, I don't want to really uh, speak about it, but I mean, everything that makes you go, wow, what is this in the trailer? You know, it's, it's you're just going to have a great time when you see it. So, um, Ki, Ki Hu Kwan, uh, as we all know him as Short Round from uh, Indiana Jones, and also uh, data. data from, yeah, Data from Goonies, he's in the movie and he comes out with uh, the director. His name is. I believe David Wong and um, 
also uh, Finn Wolfhard <laughs> from uh, Stranger Stranger Things. They told him they wanted him to uh, be the host for the for the talk, and uh, out of so randomly. <laughs> oh my and, god! Yeah, and then and then they said, uh, "Well, we got a special guest too. Uh, I will just bring her out." And then Michelle Yo just comes running out. She like I was, I was the second person she gave a high five. She went all through the crowd. She had just recovered from fucking COVID, was hugging everybody, taking pictures. It was just like it was overwhelming. I I'd never I I never seen a star do what she did. Uh, like in front of me, you know. It was just it was awe-inspiring how fantastic this woman was, especially after watching her in this great movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. One of the big one of, one of the biggest things about this movie is that you don't often get to see uh, people other than white people doing parts like this in movies, you know. And so originally they wanted James, uh, Jackie Chan to be in this, but instead they went with Michelle Yeoh, which was really awesome, you know. And I, I know that Jackie Chan's pissed off because this is the type of stuff he wants to do too. Just like stuff that's just not like out of the out of the norm, you know. And um, yeah, it was just just for being there at the end. To I was just uh, about three seats away from the show, you know. And just like, every all the themes of this movie. This movie gets very contemplative, you know. It's a multiverse movie, and um, it just but it discover it discovers that sort of uh uh, uh aspect of the storytelling in all sorts of really, really creative, fun and freaky ways, you know? Oh man, I can't wait for you to see it. So we can actually have a, a decent talk about it, but that was the experience. Basically. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm everything mm -hmm. about this seems right to me. It seems, um, it just looks so surreal and so strange. Oh, yeah. And I love oh, yeah. it when anyone swings for the fences, I don't even care if you oh, yeah. miss, if you swing hard, there's gonna be something in that worth watching. And well, that's so, basically the Daniels. That's the Daniels. That's the way they roll. Well, and then also they directed a bunch of uh, Legion on FX. Mm, I don't yes, remember that yes, three. Yes. That show. Oh, dude, was, that's that's one of my favorite shows, bro. It was such a good show. It was such oh, a good heck show. Yeah. Again, I'm gonna that's be no, that guy. That I'm Noah, gonna be like Noah, Noah Wiley. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be like, I don't know if I was really with the ending, so I'm gonna be that guy for a second. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But again, I don't think there is any ending that they could have written to that show that doesn't just leave me sad that it's over. What an amazingly mm -hmm. inventive and surreal television program that was. Fantastic. So I will see anything he does. And this looks amazing. I'm going to, man, it's a busy month for me. I got Rachel's birthday and her mom's birthday and my mom's birthday and her dad's birthday. And it was my brother's birthday the other day. And then my taxes, oh, son, taxes. I hope you've sent your taxes in because they took mm -hmm. a big juicy bite out of my ass. So it's been a crazy month and I wanted to oh, see yeah. this so badly, but I'm probably, probably going to have to catch it on the old home viewing. Um, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what else I've been viewing at home is the old moon night. Wait, we're gonna talk about Atlanta first. Oh, I'm sorry. I did skip Atlanta and go straight to mm. Moon Knight. Maybe that's because Atlanta is fucking hard to watch as a white guy. Dude. <laughs> Fuck me running. <laughs> if this show isn't just like every five seconds, knock it off, white people. Yo, white people <laughs> seriously knock this shit off. Oh, this thing where like every where you over police our smallest infractions, knock that off. Where you take yeah. normalized behavior for children that are white and turn it into reason to hold back black kids. Knock that shit off, too. And stop taking them from our mm -hmm. homes because you don't agree with how we raise them. Like, mm -hmm. holy cow. I, I love this show, but I don't know from a polarity standpoint how you withstand the whiplash from, like, gut-wrenching mm -hmm. horror tones. Literal. I mean, murder in the first episode. And then to the to the highest highs of some of the comedy that you get out of the show. We have, we've not talked about it for a while cause they haven't given us much to talk about, but if you have listened to this podcast with any regularity, you know, five that I year love hiatus, Arthur loves Atlanta. And after five years, Arthur, what's it like to get it back to get your beloved Atlanta Dude, back, which everybody should be watching. I, I think wait. I just waited patiently. I mean, I don't really get into this whole kind of thing. Like, Oh, I wish I would come back. 
I just I want them to take their time and 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 make it right. I mean that's that's what's beautiful about this time that people feel like they couldn't take a three year break off of the show. Yeah, it's it's not over, but we'll make it when we're ready. You know, I think that's beautiful. You know, um, and 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 knowing knowing that we didn't have Atlanta for a while, he went and made two seasons back to back, so we have two seasons. <laughs> well, you that's know? brilliant. Get them all out and and yeah. just give people what they want after so long. Also, I love that he recently addressed um his problem with the Dave Show, because the Dave Show like it copies mer- like mercilessly off of Atlanta. What is the and Dave show? Course, Dave is about little Dicky, the, the white rapper. And uh it's it's another FX show and you you could kind of tell that it's a show that FX wanted Atlanta to be. You know, they just wanted the simple they wanted a simple rags to riches sales, uh, story of a rapper coming up. You know, but of course Donald Glover, he's like he's like a genius to the 10th power. <laughs> and he said that something like that is just way too boring for him, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's given this miracle of a show. The show is a miracle. You know, it's, 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 it's so hard for, you know, our story to get out on a mainstream place and really express and illustrate how weird it is being a black American. Yeah. In yeah, this yeah. country. Yeah. You know, and do it do it with such panache. Do it with so much creative grit. Do it with so much like commentary. Do it with like just doing stuff that's just beyond anybody storytelling wise. And like his, his ability to ex- to express the absurdity of all of our behavior to everyone like oh yeah. I never saw a show that explains better the black experience in a white country and you know and to a large degree the way that white people perceive black communities and so this oh, really yeah. really provides so much incredibly thoughtful insight into the nuances of those interactions in a way that either you know ethnicity can easily identify and absorb it's like it's like 12 episodes of that last moment and get out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, when yeah. those lights roll up on him at the very end to get out, you, you hold your breath because you know he's right, but you also know he's fucked if that's who it might be. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. somehow Donald Glover captures the tension of those 15 seconds and stretches that out over an entire season sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the episode at hand we're talking about you know, we've been waiting for Atlanta this whole time, and it's <laughs> yeah. a sto- it's a, it's a story. Uh, it winds up being a story about this kid, that and it's not like um they had an episode they had an episode that featured um Earn when he was a kid. So this is this definitely wasn't that. This was something that was like current, and it's about a kid that we never even seen before. You know, kind of acting like any kid would in the class. You know, he got on he got on the on the desk and stuff but like like the way they the way they dealt with it was a, like a little r- ridiculous mm-hmm. and he you know all, all at once this stuff is talking about how we're how we're viewed at school and um like how our parents ha- um had to deal with the situation like they're constantly trying to put black kids in special ed yeah you know they they're are overrepresented to, yeah they're constantly trying to do things like that and 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 um you have a black mom saying, "Oh hell no," you know, y'all y'all yep. trying to act like we were trying to act like because of your standards that we're in, we're in like not anything that's on your level, and anything that's different immediately is negative and bad and alien. Right, right. You know, you know. So we wind up being in a situation where this boy winds up going to foster care, which I deeply relate with because I was in foster care for nine years. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like it's no no freaking joke, you know. Like I lived in over twenty homes, you know. So I, this episode was definitely triggering. Um, there was a time where I couldn't watch anything with foster care stuff. Like I watched White Oleander one time, and I broke the fuck down. Jesus, <laughs> and that was about a white girl in, in yeah, foster yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my God. So, um, the Miss yeah, Pellegrin series of books was like right on the cusp for you. Like, I don't know. It's kind of fantasy, <laughs> but those kids are definitely orphans. Fuck. <laughs> I'll read a little yeah, bit. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, don't want to go too heavy into it because, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like it deserves its own sort of episode to talk about Atlanta. Well, that's what I'm saying. We would have to sit here for 40 minutes breaking into just the nuance of that first, you know, scene where the teacher's talking about, like, in an effort to promote more diversity and to expand on our Black History Month uh, program in conjunction with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Domino's Pizza, we present a special showing of Black Panther 2, and it's like exactly the most rampant, reductive <laughs> commercialism of that concept. You know, oh, yeah. Black History oh, yeah. Month sponsored by Domino's, and it's right in, oh, it's yeah. in a fucking classroom. Our kids are basically right oh, there yeah. listening to a commercial for dude. fucking Domino's oh, and the Pittsburgh dude, Steelers. Dude. Dude, totally. And that's you know, three it, minutes of the episode. We could talk for a half an hour about that. So we won't. We're just going to say, watch Atlanta. If you're not watching, <laughs> it's maybe the smartest, most biting, you know, episodic television on television right now. Rachel's funny. She's oh, yeah. like, it's a little heavy for me sometimes, but she's even whiter than I am. So you know. <laughs> part of the reason why I think you and I get on Arthur is because I did grow up in a predominantly black neighborhood. So it's not mm -hmm. like in, and I don't mean to say like, I understand black people, but what I mean to say no, is no, like, Tommy got the black pass. Y'all Tommy <laughs> got the black pass. Is that I grew up in the middle of those households. I, mm -hmm. I did yeah. observe those homes and I did also get to see the juxtaposition of that and what I had in my own home. And someday, Arthur, you're going to explain this washcloth thing to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I just guess white people like they have a pubic hair in their soap. I can just assume. <laughs> but this washcloth business between white and black people. I want to get to the bottom of this. This isn't even relevant to the show. I'm just going to pause right now. Oh, and you're just going to teach me about washcloths. <laughs> because this is apparently a big freaking deal. We're spending a lot of time on this. <laughs> washcloths, man. Like, it just makes sense. <laughs> the, boy said, the boy says it. It's like, uh, how do I wash my butt? <laughs> with with, with my hand. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, man. See, see, I'm white, so you have to understand the soap provides a protective barrier between your hand and your butt, so that your hand ever never actually has to touch your your butthole proper. So <laughs> no. Uh, uh, all right, send me some washcloths in the mail. I'm gonna try them out. We'll see if that's where it's at. It might be where it's at. I don't know. I think a bidet could yeah, be where it's man. at, but maybe washcloths is really where it's at. A bidet is great too. A you bidet got is one great of those? too. But like if no, but like I'm saying, it's it. But like it's not like they're already just readily available everywhere. But like the idea of a bidet is, yeah. is great. No, I mean I can't believe I'm saying this, but like I mean, if you have a washcloth that like you know has extra friction, you're able to clean yourself better with it than your naked hand all right all right but what do you do with the water you now you have this sopping wet washcloth when you're done do you have a special washcloth you, hook in you, the shower you ring you wring it out you fold it up and put it on the side of the tub so you wring it out and you fold it up but but isn't it still wet in the middle the next day does it develop mold no, no. i'm learning so much <laughs> you, you, you wring it out just like it's just like a towel a towel is damp and then it's not damp no no but i don't take my towel into the shower if i took my towel yeah, into the shower you, we'd be soaking wet but it's if just you, damp but if I'm you done. ring this is so hilarious if you wring out and <laughs> you wring we out a hand are towel. fostering racial understanding <laughs> right now arthur on the washcloth issue this is way more entertaining than anything we have to say about fucking moon night i think for people this is way more enlightening i think this is better uh, <laughs> if you wring out a hand towel it's going to be just ab about as damp as any towel would be if you washed yourself off so it's it's not even a thing it's, no i think know, it's going to be more damp than a regular towel i think that's too much yeah I think but it's really wet like, i think i would want a special hook to hang it so it could like dry open you can do that too you could do that too if you <laughs> need so a little hook. so a little loop on it so it could hang. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, we did get off the beaten track, but I think maybe the tagline for the episode is Moon Knight, less entertaining than a damp towel. <laughs> we have more to say about a damp, small towel than we do Marvel's Moon Knight. Well, speaking Figure of Moon Knight. we should get to it. Speaking of Moon Knight. Yeah, speaking of Moon Knight. Speaking of Moon Knight, what do you think oh. about Moon, Moon Knight? Well, not enough towels, clearly. <laughs> it looks no. like his costume is made out of towels oh man well you know what i know see so this is where we're gonna differ so for people who don't know marvel has just released its next tv series and arthur and i were over the moon about all the <laughs> about Are all you the, waiting for a laugh track i was waiting for something over all of 2001's oh my god marvel properties <laughs> And I can't. What am I doing with my life? Um, so oh, um, we were we were really into all of the stuff that they did in 2021. You know, uh, what if and WandaVision and Loki and Hawkeye. I mean, yeah, all of it. All of it was great. All of it was great. And so now it's 2022. It's time to get the ball rolling again. And the first serving we get is Moon Knight. And I was not a huge fan of the comics. Uh, I had a good friend of mine when I was a kid me who loved Moon Knight. Arthur, you also, right? You're not a big Moon Knight guy. Me neither. Me neither. You me know, me look, neither. there are a I mean, lot I knew, of books. I knew about him. I knew about him. I, li- I liked when David Finch drew him, <laughs> you know. Well, Arthur and I grew up poor, so you were buying your core books, and that's all you were going home with. Your mom was like, you can have mm. three books, and if you were Arthur and me, they were all X-Men book and maybe an occasional Fantastic Four or something, some Batman mm-hmm. thrown in. But basically, you had your few books. So Marvel's Moon Knight and all the other characters in that sort of sphere were a little bit more peripheral than some of the more mainstream characters. But I at least have a bit more of a familiarity with it. But admittedly, these shows shouldn't require a degree of comic familiarity. They should be entertaining on their own. And I think what we're getting out of Moon Knight is we're getting a studio that has fallen in love with being able to pull the taffy. You know, when you do a movie, you've only got a certain amount of time and you got to jump from beat to beat to beat and you really got to get into it and get into the story fast. But when you've got six hours to tell a story, you can really go slow on some stuff. And I think that maybe they've turned that dial up just a little bit too high on the series. What do you think, Arthur? Yeah, I I, I think Moonlight, Moon Knight, looks silly I, I, I think that costume was ridiculous um i mean that doesn't mean he doesn't have cool costumes in the comic and that they're probably going to get to that especially when they go to one of his other personalities where he just has that slick suit whatever but um mm-hmm. honestly i like the show more for oscar than anything i feel like they they did a great job landing an actor to do some stuff that you don't really see a lot of MCU actors getting to do. Yeah, it's about time you know? an American does a British accent for six episodes. <laughs> ha! And fantastically, he does it. So he's so spot natural. On. It's so spot on. Spot on. Yeah, he's he's great. And um, yeah, it, it's it's one of the first times where I just wish you could take the superhero stuff out of it and make it a nice like psychological thriller because <laughs> he's so good in it. You know, um, the Moon Knight stuff. You know, it, it has like echoes of Venom. Oddly enough, like with like with all of the uh, voice voiceover stuff. It's so funny you said that because I looked at Rachel and I said to her, I'm pushing back kind of hard against the voice they chose. Like, I yeah. really feel like, yeah, I get it. You have a, you're possessed by a God. I feel like it should whisper in your ear, not talk to you like it's Mr. Movie Phone. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I, I love F. F. Murray um, Abrams. Uh, Abrahams, Murray. yeah, F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, yeah, from uh, from he plays Salary. Oh, I know um, him as the uncle from Thirteen Ghosts. Oh, but cool. no, I mean uh, he's I, I he's Mozart. a he's a consummate you know Hollywood character actor from a lot of stuff, and he's great. But he is doing like a you know Mark get from point A to point B. It's like, you feel yeah. like you're some weird narrator in a bad video game. Turn left. Yeah. It's like, or, or my Garmin or something, you know, it's got your GPS voice approaching roundabout. Like, why did you go with that? <laughs> it should be whispering in your ear. It should be seducing you to do yeah. things, not talking to you. Like, like it's a fucking phone prompt. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I don't know. I, so yeah, I, I had my problems with that a little I think, bit. I think I they might have liked what I think they might have liked what Venom was doing and just went for that. You know, because like it, I mean, because it it does inspire a laugh if you do it right. It does. But it does. Like the thing is, the thing is, I just don't care. I don't care about what's happening with this character. There's nothing to care about. Like you, you get introduced to this weird cult. Yeah. You know, and then it's not really dealing with anything that's happening in the MCU. So it's like, why, why do I care? This this character doesn't even know what's happening to him. Right. You right. know. So that's that's it's a disconnect on all of those things. I am enjoying Oscar, so that's what I'm coming back for. Now, um, is it possible that Oscar I, I hate, is too I, good? Oh, one second. Yeah, yeah. One second. I I just hate, I hate like, and this is always gonna be, gonna be the line, when you you make a costume and you have to make you have to have the character look cool in it, you know. Okay. And that's that's where I felt like they failed in a trailer because they do that thing where we see um, this guy in this weird cape, you know, mm-hmm. beating this thing from behind, and then he turns around to the camera, walks towards the camera, you know, like that only works if you look good, you know. It was the same thing with um, Green Lantern, because like that movie was so like was so insecure. Oh, now you the, be their- nice. Don't you compare Moon Knight to Green Lantern. <laughs> I'm talking about strictly costume stuff. See, I don't brush against like the costume. That, no, see, I don't. Anyway, think so. I don't like think I was so. saying, like I was saying, the cost, like they they had that scene where he, like he's like, look, the costume looks cool, right? You know, it's like, why would you say that in the movie if you're not <laughs> like like completely insecure about it? Yeah. You know, so um, it has it has to look right, and I I feel like. This nice shiny cape is was it's weird for a character like this if, that's having like a tattered personality. You know, if, if you're gonna think about character stuff, like the costume looks should look maybe ragged or something. But it or, does though. The armbands look like mummy armbands. The leg wraps look more like Egyptian leg wraps. Like I think it has a ragged. I see a clean. I see a clean white suit. Bro. No, it's you not know? though. It's not. We're gonna we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this because. I at least read some Moon Knight mother, and I think it's cool. So there you go. I don't go. care if you read it. Oh, good, good. Yeah, you get the trophy for reading Moon Knight. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a. You're right. You know what? I don't have to justify my opinion with my comic book degree. I like the costume. Rachel likes the costume. I thought the transition to have him show up as Mr. Knight, you know, the more 40s mm-hmm. noir detective version mm-hmm. of Moon Knight was mm-hmm. slick and fun and interesting. I think it's going to it's putting us down the road of getting different interesting versions of the costumes, but I don't brush up against the baseline version of the costume with the wraps and that's the coat and the cloak I mean, and all that business. I, I don't mind it. That's, that's- I, I am enjoying it. Yeah, that's fine. But m- moving on, I'm I'm still <laughs> on the ride because of Oscar. He's yeah. he's fucking great. Uh, don't, like I mean, uh, Ethan Hawke, he's he's great, but I don't I don't care about the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about this villain. You know, I don't care about any of the other characters. I just don't care. That's the they haven't done anything that made me. You're supposed to do that in the first episode. Yeah. You know, like you're supposed to make us care about this character. I mean, in 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 some ways, yeah. I like I, I love the performance, but like whatever Mark, whatever um, you know, Oscar's character, it's Mark or what's the other character's name? Mark is the other character. Or Steven. Personality. Steven. Yeah, like you know, we're starting with Steven, and you know he's like he's a likable guy, you know, for the for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I don't care about his story either. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, I'm trying to do dates and I'm losing days. Oh, what's happening to me? I just woke up here and I woke up there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, and I see yeah. the framework where they're trying to make you care and it should work. I think like where you have the weird bed and you have the time skips and stuff like that. But I I, I might be simple, but I, I want to I want to see more Moon Knight punching shit. I really would just like to see more Moon yeah. Knight punching stuff. And maybe yeah, I mean, that's too I'm expensive. sure they're going to get to that. I hope they do, but I want them to get to wherever they're getting. And I think that we, we're getting yeah. a lot of exposition right now. And I think that maybe Oscar Isaac, they kind of fell in love with him a little bit too much. Because you're right. He's the best part of the show, and he's the most compelling thing on the screen at any given time. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. giving oh, yeah. him time 
on screen to explore this character of Steven and who this person is and to give it nuance and all the sort of in-between stuff, not even mentioning, you know, his interactions with his now wife that he recently discovered he had. Oh, by the way, we are a little late for this, but we are going to spoil like we spoil everything. Um, But that like that everything he's doing is so believable and good and entertaining that you almost let him do too much of it for the sake of not moving the story forward. And I'm hoping uh, from some reviews that I've read, because I guess what happens is there's a major end of act two turn like you should have in a compelling story. So um, critics are saying that they watch the first four episodes and at the end of episode four, there's something that redefines the series a little bit. And so I'm hoping that that's enough to make the the meandering business worth it. You know, if we're going to liken this back to something else like Book of Boba Fett, I feel like once we got where that show was going, it was worth the getting there. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the whole. I enjoyed the whole ride. I, I love what John Favreau and and Filoni are doing. Well, that was, but my point was that with that series, I felt like it started super slow, but then it got where it was getting to, and I and I mm-hmm. then started to legitimately enjoy it. I think that Moon Knight mm-hmm. could potentially do that, and so. I don't know. We wait for episode three and I'm eagerly looking forward to it. I think that the costume is cool. So eat it. And, (laughs) (laughs) and, and I don't have too much else to say about the show, except to say that if you're watching it, you're going to watch it. And if you're not watching it, you'll probably binge it all when it's done. I feel from what I've seen that this probably is the kind of show that might be best consumed in one afternoon so that you get, your payoff for sitting there and doing your due diligence for two goddamn episodes, nice and quick. I think mm. they owe that to you, but that's okay. Watch it at your own pace or binge it all at the end. Yeah, one, one day they're going to figure out what, what shows should be weekly and what shows should be binged. <laughs> one day they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. <laughs> now, if people want to binge on some Arthur Romeo, where are they going to find you? Oh, you can go to my website, ArthurRomeo.live. You know, also um, on my Instagram and TikTok. TikTok, I'm, I'm under Arthur Romeo as well. Uh, also, draw really awesome. Wow, with, um, all underscored. Same thing on uh, Instagram. What about you, DJ Top Top Top? Nice. I don't need to do special effects. You can find me on Instagram at Thomas.Olton, spelled O L T O N, or you can find us on Instagram at Tails underscore two underscore admonish. I've been dragging my feet because we're at the end of winter and I'm tired, but we're getting into spring. I'm feeling rejuvenated, so check out our social media because I'm going to be updating it. And if you would, please go on to your podcasting app of choice, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast, and we really, really appreciate it. So, until next time, you can join us right here on... Was that that you just being black, or is is that a black thing? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's inspired off of Amazon, uh, Atlanta. It's like the washcloth as well. No, 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 seriously, though. Stop recording and let's find out. I want to talk about this washcloth. But off air, off air. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Paper boy, paper boy.